Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Judges. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Judges chapter 17 and follow along while I read. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoke it in my ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. And he restored the eleven hundred pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household gods, and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place." And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I can find a place. And Micah said to him, Stay with me, and be a father and a priest, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, and a suit of clothes for your living. And the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, because I have a Levite as a priest. As we start to draw to the end of our study of the book of Judges, uh, there are a few stories in here that are a little odd. And they're stories that are often overlooked by people studying Scripture and teaching Scripture because of some of the bizarre details. In this story, a man named Micah has stolen money from his mother. His mother is upset the money is gone and utters a curse on whoever stole it. Micah heard her utter the curse, and he didn't want the curse to be on him, so he returned the money to his mother. When he returned the money to his mother, she was so excited to have her money back. She said, I'm going to take 200 pieces of this silver and have it made into an idol and dedicate it to the Lord. And if you notice in your Bible, the word Lord there in the text is in small caps. That means she used the proper name of God. She was making this image in her mind to honor Yahweh. So after it's finished, Micah sets up a shrine, and they don't have a priest nearby, so he just makes one of his sons a priest. 
Then later, a Levite happens to be traveling around, and he's looking for a place to live. And Micah says, come live here, and you can be my priest. And so that's exactly what he does. This is a strange story, and there's so many things in it that go against what God had called Israel to do. But there's a key phrase in here, and it'll get repeated several times in these closing chapters, that explain why this man, who seemed to be very religious, was not living up to what God wanted. He was not developing into the spiritual being that God had commanded of his people. And it's the phrase that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No matter what God had said, no matter what commandments they had received from God, no matter what their prophets had told them, no matter what was the right thing to do, the people in the time of the judges were doing whatever seemed right to them. That should be a cautionary tale to us as we live in a society where increasingly we look to do whatever we want and ask that there not be any consequences to that. We do it with our governments and with each other, even with our churches, and often we're guilty of doing this with God. So I think we can find some instruction in this short story about the dangers of doing things my own way rather than submitting to God. And one of the first things that we'll notice is that when I'm doing things my way rather than God's way, If those two things are not aligned, then the way I use my possessions will not be the way God intended them to be used. I'll take all of the different things that God has blessed me with, and I'll use them for my own selfish purposes, or I will use them in a way that eases my own conscience and makes me feel comfortable, but may not necessarily be the way that God wants me to use them. 1,100 pieces of silver at any time in history has been a lot of money. This was a family of some means, and they were able to take 200 pieces of that silver and turn it into an idol that they could worship. It was money that had been stolen and recovered. There was so much going on with this money, but at no point in this story are we told that they had any intention of honoring God with it other than turning it into an idol. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 11, says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest you have eaten and are full and have built houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." Moses is telling the people there that they need to be very careful not to forget the Lord and all of his commandments, or otherwise, once they have accumulated things and they start to feel comfortable, they may end up forgetting the Lord completely and not honoring the God who had freed them from their slavery. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27 says, Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. 
And we can see here that Micah was guilty of stealing from his own mother because this temptation to have this money was too great for him, and he brought trouble on his house. And in an effort to feel justified in all that they were doing and all that, rather than finding a priest and asking what should be done, they bring a priest into their house who would bless what they were doing. In this story, Micah and his family are not using the blessings that God had given them to honor God and for God's purposes. That was happening because they were doing whatever seemed right to them, and their comfort and their pleasure meant more than anything else. So that's what they use their resources for. We have to be very careful in our time because we live in a society that's driven by status and image. And the temptation is to accumulate things and to use those to draw attention to ourselves, to make ourselves comfortable, to use them for what we want. But what we know from Scripture is that anytime God blesses his people, he does it with the intention of them using those blessings to bless others. That doesn't mean that we never have things that we use for our own, but there's an understanding that in all of that, we are stewards of what God gave, and we use those in the best ways to honor him. A second problem we see here in this story is that as Micah sets up the shrine to worship, the object of his worship is not God. Even though he calls the idol by God's name, he calls it Yahweh, it is not God that's being worshiped. There were very strict commands in the law of Moses not to make graven images. Certainly the Ten Commandments said, you shall not have any graven images or make any other gods before me. When God was making rules for priests in the book of Leviticus, in chapter 26, verse 1, he said, you shall not make idols for yourself or erect an image or a pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And why did God say this? It was because God was bigger than any one thing. He didn't want his children to become guilty of worshiping things that God had created rather than worshiping the creator himself. But over and over again, Israel was guilty of that. And unfortunately, in our time, we're often as guilty as they were. Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 15, says, Therefore watch yourselves very carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of a male or a female, the likeness of an animal that's on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you may be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. In Deuteronomy, God was saying, I am bigger than 
any of the things I created. Don't reduce me to something that you're comfortable with or you can handle. Embrace the bigness of God and know that he is bigger than anything that you have going on in your life. We're so tempted to make God a God that we're comfortable with and to do things that seem right in our eyes and ask him to bless them. We chase after things that end up being an idol in our life because we let them dictate how we make decisions, and then we ask God to bless it. That is just as much idolatry in our time as making this graven image was in the time of Micah. When I'm doing things my own way for my own comfort and satisfaction, rather than honoring God, God is not the object of my worship. Another thing I notice in this story is that as Micah is doing things his own way, the process of his worship is not even what God commanded. God had designated very specific places and ways of worshiping him in the Old Testament. These are things that would have been known to all of the inhabitants of Israel. The problem is sometimes it took a little effort. It it may have taken some traveling. It may have taken giving up some of their possessions to make this happen. But God had been very specific about what he wanted. God said, if you want to give me a gift, then give me a gift that I desire. And he explained to them what it would look like. But over and over again in Israel's history, they chose to worship God the way they wanted to and ask him to accept it. That wasn't acceptable to God. Even in the first century, as Jesus is walking the earth, there was a Samaritan woman who asked Jesus, you know, what is it that God wants from us in worship? And in John chapter 4, starting in verse 23, Jesus says, But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God had dictated a process for worship, something that was acceptable to him as worship. And Jesus said that was when God is worshiped in spirit, when the very thing that animates me, that that keeps me going is a connection to God and wanting to worship him. And I worship him in truth or truly, wholly, uh, with a, a mind that's free from pretense or falsehood or deceit. When I come to God honestly, sincerely, and completely, That is what God wants in our worship. To to come with other pretenses puts us in the same category as Micah in this story. There are people who attend church because their family's always done it, and they don't want to listen to the complaints of their family. There are others who feel like it's expected of them, but they don't really get anything out of it or want to be there. They're just going through the motions. A genuine worshiper approaches God in the way that he's asked us to. The New Testament tells us that he wants us to assemble together as Christians. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
There are a lot of people in our time that say that they really like the idea of Jesus and they believe in Jesus. They just don't go to church. And I understand there are some churches out there that are not worthy of attendance. We don't need to participate in what they're doing. But there are Christians with whom we need to get together. I saw a discussion about this online recently, and someone used this verse to say Christians should come together. And another person said, yeah, but it doesn't say anything about going to church. Well, in this verse, that's exactly what it's talking about. The phrase meet together is from a Greek word that has to do with the religious assemblies. It is specifically talking about getting together as a church, as a community of believers, and worshiping and encouraging one another and equipping one another to do the good things that God has called us to do. We have to have the connection to God, the genuineness before God that Jesus talked about, but we also need to be doing that with other like-minded people so that we develop strength in numbers to go out and do the things that God wants us to do. Another effect of doing what's right in my own eyes can often be that I will choose not to listen to the people that God has put in my path to get my attention and to teach me what he wants me to know. For Micah, he was not listening to the people that God had chosen. He set up in his house as a priest his own son. Then he met a Levite and hired him to perform those services in his house. The problem is this Levite had left the place that he had been given to serve in. He he was supposed to be down in Bethlehem, and he had just wandered around. He was tired of working in that area. He didn't want to be limited to that space, so he wandered around and found another place. So now this Levite is not doing the service that God had given, and he's doing it for a person who's not willing to submit to God's rules for worship and how to know what it is that God wants. Micah has hired someone that will tell him what he wants to hear and make him feel good and secure about his situation. Paul warns a young man named Timothy that it can happen to any of us. Uh, In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. Look around our world. Anything you want to believe about God, there is someone teaching that. It is very difficult and confusing then for some of us to figure out what God really wants from us, because people are saying all kinds of things. And very often, rather than doing the work on our own and getting in contact with the God of Scripture and going before Him genuinely and earnestly, we're listening to the people who are telling us what we want to hear. And it sounds so good to us, we swear it has to be right, but we never investigate it, we never challenge ourselves, and we never make the necessary changes in our life to honor our God. We're comfortable doing what's right in our own eyes, which leads us to one other problem in this story. When I do what's right in my own eyes, I develop a very false sense of security. As this chapter ends, Micah says, now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. 
He thought God might prosper him before because he had made this shrine and made his son a priest, but now he's involved a Levite. This has got to be okay with God. But notice, he didn't go to a priest and ask if it was okay. He didn't inquire of the Lord, is this okay? He assumed it was okay because it felt right with him. He had this sense of security now, but it was a false one. If you'll remember in the New Testament, Jesus tells a story about people who have that false sense of security. In Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, it says, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. When God has blessed us and we're not willing to use them for his purposes, but we feel secure in in hoarding those blessings and using them selfishly, that's a very false sense of security. God says at some point, your soul is required of you. You have to give an account for how you misused the things he blessed you with. We have to be very careful doing what's right in our own eyes. That's fine if we've allowed God to train our eyes to see what he sees. But for most of us, we don't always live in that level of awareness. To do what seems right to us is often to take a shortcut to comfort and satisfaction. God may be calling us to something greater. Are we going to do what's right in our own eyes? Are we going to fully submit to God? Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.